Welcome to Cats by 90, a podcast dedicated to you, the Big Blue Nation, basketball, football, and the latest recruiting news. If it's Kentucky sports, then it's here on Cats by 90. Now, from SB Nation's A Sea of Blue, your hosts, Big Blue Drew and Aaron Gershon. All right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nation's A Sea of Blue. I'm Drew Brown, a.k.a. Big Blue Drew. I'm not going to be riding with Aaron Gershon today. We actually have a really special guest that I'm excited to talk to, um, former Michigan State forward and um, really great player, um, Paul Davis, has joined us. So, Paul, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you having me today. Yeah, so real quick, I'm going to kind of hit your accolades because I was uh, stalking your wiki page a little bit today, and um, I know that can be a slippery slope. So, um, so Paul played at Michigan State from like 2002 to 2006. He was Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan 2002, was the leading rebounder in the NCAA tournament in 2005, the 34th pick in the 2006 NBA draft to the LA Clippers. And one of my favorite things, Paul, from your wiki page is the fact that it says your jersey is retired at uh, my wife and brother-in-law's alma mater, Ruther Middle School. Yeah, it's pretty uh it's pretty cool when that I was with the Clippers when that happened and <laughs> um you know I played with Elton Brand, Catino Mobley, Sam Cassell, Corey Maggetti, and a lot of these guys have their college jersey retired, their high school one, and probably some of them are gonna have their their pro ones retired, but I've never heard of anybody having their middle school one retired, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And even to make your wiki page so people know about it. But just to kind of set the stage a little bit for all the Cats by 90 listeners. So um, Paul Davis actually is a really good family friend of uh, my wife's family. Grew up with my brother-in-law, Sean. So I was thinking a little bit today, Paul, kind of preparing to speak to you that every chance I've gotten, um, I'm such a big basketball fan, I've picked your brain a little. But I don't know that we've ever done this sober. So... Yeah, very true. I mean, it's uh, probably get some new information, and depending how the game goes next week, um, we could do it again with or without drinks. Yeah, exactly. So um, maybe we'll actually retain a little bit of this, but I teed you up a little bit, Paul. So normally when we start um, the podcast, we kind of just give a little quick things about um, one thing that pissed us off this week and one thing that made us feel good. We call it the In My Feelings segment. So I will start it is October 31st. Today is Halloween. So both of mine are going to be Halloween related. Um, even though this one breaks my heart, it's also kind of a good one. But this year I did not have any trick or treating to do. My son's too young. He's only eight months. And uh, my daughter, it's the first year she skipped it. She's at a friend's house. She's too big and cool to trick or treat, but I'm excited for her. She's turning into a young lady. So I'll treat that one as a positive. And um, my thing that really pissed me off is, dude, the weather here is god-awful in Louisville. Like, it's like 34 degrees and windy. We've had two trick-or-treaters only. So I'm mad at the city for not being willing to change it like Lexington did. And um feel bad for the kids. No trick-or-treating today. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we're getting much uh, different weather up here and maybe even even worse. I don't think the the sun came out at all for the last couple of days. But, um, and it's been keeping me feeling a little bit under the weather. So uh, I guess if we're complaining about that, the blessing is that that's all we have to be complaining about compared to, uh, you know, a lot of things going on and had probably 30, 40 uh, trick-or-treaters and 
you know, I think it's great that it's still something that the kids enjoy doing. Um, so even though the weather is not so great, I think for me, the, the good thing is that that's all we have to complain about. Fair, fair. That's a really good point. But so to get started, and this is going to be a really painful memory for a lot of Kentucky fans, but it's something that I was really pumped up to talk to you about. So um, I'm sure it's one of the more famous games in the history of Michigan State basketball, but it is definitely um, one of the biggest games in in uh, memory for most Kentucky fans. And that is the 2005 Elite Eight game. Um, us Big Blue Nation members would know it as the Patrick Sparks foot on the line game. So I kind of tee it up in case um, we have, I know we have a lot of younger listeners that may not even remember this. But so the game's tied 2005 Elite Eight. Kentucky gets about three shots at a three pointer. Finally, the ball bounces to Patrick Sparks. He heaves up a prayer. I think it bounced on the rim five times, drops in, and then what I believe is one of the longest NCAA reviews in history, over five minutes long, to determine if his foot was on the line. They count the basket good, goes to overtime. Uh, Michigan State wins in double overtime. And, Paul, you were actually – I don't know even know if you know this, but you played the most minutes in that game, 41 minutes for both teams. And you had 15 points and 11 rebounds. So uh, most of my listeners probably hate you, but we're just interested to hear. Do, do you remember much from that game? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was um, probably that weekend was, you know, one of the best weekends in, you know, history of MSU basketball and MSU sports and probably one of the uh, best elite eight games in the history of uh, the tournament. You know, the 48 hours before that, we beat uh, Duke to obviously be able to play you guys in the Elite Eight. And I think what was great about that game was we were the last last team, the last game to be going to the Final Four. So mm -hmm. the whole basketball, literally world, was watching that game. Um, and, you know, just as it's Patrick Sparks' three-point game to you guys, it's Patrick Sparks' three-point game you know, to um, Spartan Nation, too. And uh, if you watch that on YouTube, that, you know, his foot, it literally could not come closer um, than than it did. And with instant replay now, who knows if it would have gone either way. But um, on our side, looking back, it's almost we're glad that it went like that just because it was an absolute unbelievable game. Um, but that took the wind out of us. Uh, once that happened, I think you guys got up by five or six points in the first overtime, but we were able to come back, push it to two, and then ended up hitting some clutch free throws. Well, that's great to hear. That kind of how it's viewed with you guys, too. And it was. I'll, I'll link that YouTube video, even though the, the quality is kind of shitty, to um, the page. So, again, if anyone hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a long time, and I still firmly believe it was one of those things where – um, we were kind of fortunate that they called it the way that they did. Who knows if, if um, you know, with, like you said, nowadays with certain camera angles and stuff, if it would have. But just an epic game. I know it's one of those moments. I remember where I was at. I was a senior in high school um, watching that game at my house, and I was just so relieved, and it kind of ripped, the, ripped my heart out. But you guys kind of just caught an unfortunate break too, Paul. Like you said, it, it took really a, a monumental effort to get to the Final Four. And then you just ran into like arguably one of the better college basketball teams ever in the 2005 North Carolina with Sean May um, and all that. And actually, too, Louisville made that final four as well. And um, 
I guess it ended up being North Carolina and Illinois. But so you, I guess you matched up then with Sean May in the final four. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, every, you know, it seemed that uh, it, through all four games leading up to North Carolina, um, I was matched up with one of the premier big men in the country, you know, in the first round, I think it was, uh, Taylor Coppenrath, who was a seven foot shooter. And then Old Dominion, I believe had, um, a big time big man. And then Sheldon Williams against Duke, yeah. Chuck Hayes and Randolph at, mm-hmm. you know, for you guys, Kentucky and then Sean May. So I definitely had my work cut out for me in those couple of weeks. But, um, one thing I do remember that I think Spartans and uh, the Wildcats can bond together with is the respect that Tubby and Izzo had for each other and, you know, the respect that Spartans had for Chuck Hayes and Rondo and Azubuki, that group. So even though it was a a hard-fought game, you know, we really respected you guys and then like you said, running into North Carolina, I mean, their whole starting five went first round the next year, so they were pretty much destined to win it. Well, as uh, Rashad McCants told us, too, you guys were also tasked with the fact that you had to go to class, and apparently they didn't from from what he said, so <laughs> that must have been a challenge. But I wanted to ask you, too, Paul, so like in the moment, so you just kind of took us through that journey of like just an absolutely incredible run to the Final Four in the moment, does it feel like that? Like, do you realize what's going on? Or are you just playing basketball? And then once it's over, you're talking to like media guys like me and you reflect on it. No, I think the the one time that it, you really feel like it is the final four um, is w- when you're watching the games before going to the arena, you know, because they have the games starting usually around noon. And if you have a mid-afternoon game or you have an evening game, you're watching your venue on TV. And then once you're leaving your hotel room, you're going through the hotel, which is just thousands of, um, you know, of your team's fans being bussed by police escort. And then you get to the arena and, you know, there's tens of thousands of fans around. You get in and then you're watching the game that you were just watching on TV. And you see one team celebrating, uh, one team with their season ending. So really everything leading up to right before warmups, you feel like it's a final four or the, uh, March madness. But once that ball goes up, then you just snap into regular game mode. Yeah. And I was just kind of looking through a quote that, uh, Tubby Smith had after that amazing 2005 Elite Eight game. And he said that was one of the uh, best basketball games in the, in the history of Kentucky basketball, which was really saying something. And you touched on too, Paul, this kind of the mutual respect that Tubby Smith and Tom Izzo had. And I know you're still, um, you know, fairly close to Izzo, which we'll touch on also, but the tables have turned, man. Things are a lot different with John Calipari coming to the University of Kentucky and the one and done. And just kind of the reputation that Kentucky has now, I guess, as being just kind of that springboard to the NBA. And Michigan State doesn't have that same reputation. I think Tom Izzo is one of kind of the the last living, like true old school guys that gets it done in a different way. So what is your perspective just on the changing landscape um, of college basketball and kind of how now this Kentucky strategy compares to Michigan State? Yeah, I mean, with Coach has always been somebody who hasn't recruited too far outside of the Midwest just because we have we do have so much talent here. 
And there was a time where almost every incoming freshman was from the state of Michigan. Um, you know, but college basketball is changing. The draft is changing. You know, there's probably more freshmen going than the first round than ever before. Um, and, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Krzyzewski and Calipari have adapted to that. They've, they've wanted to make their programs, um, attract, you know, really the top five, top 10 guys, at least two or three of them. Um, but then it, it is hard to build, um, you know, a program and a culture because you do have guys coming and knowing that you're, they're almost just looking at it, trying to get through each month, you know, the school and classes, they're not as focused. So, um, I don't, I don't have a say one way or the other. I do know, um, you know, I, I don't think all four years is for everybody, but I, I do believe at least two years is. Um, it, there's just so much that goes into the mental development of a teenage kid when, you know, at 18, you're going to make millions of dollars. Um, I, I just think that another year in college will, will really do wonders mentally for, for a lot of kids. Now, obviously with some of the guys that go top two or top three, you know, that's just who, who's to say that you, you've got to stay, but, um, uh, staying in college another year can never hurt. I mean, you really develop your game. You develop your, really your people skills too. Um, because basketball is not going to last forever. I mean, I've, I played 10 years after, after MSU and I'm in business now and run a company and it's, I'm going to be in the business world five times longer than I ever was an athlete. And, um, but it's hard to, it's hard to realize that when you're a teenager. So, um, I don't, I don't see it being a terrible thing for, you know, really the top five guys. If they're going to go to the draft and get drafted, they're going to go. But freshmen that are coming out that are getting picked in the second round, they really need to stay another year. Yeah, I can definitely understand that perspective, but. The reality is it seems like it's going to trend the other way and that I think the the general consensus is maybe by 2021 or so, they're probably just going to let everybody, whoever wants to go, jump in if you're 18 years old. And huge news this week, too, and I was um really excited. This was the week we got to talk to you, Paul, because I, I think I've spoken to you about this, and I want to say you had a different opinion than a lot of people. Um, So the NCAA, you know, did vote unanimously to kind of now start the ball rolling to let players make money off their image and likeness um, while they're in college. What's your perspective on that? Because you were one of those guys that at that point, I mean, I'm sure somebody in, in Rochester Hills, Michigan would have, you know, paid you some coin to advertise their car dealership or their realtor um, business or something like that. So what was your take when the NCAA announced that they would be um, making that change in the near future? Yeah, I mean, everybody's going to have a, obviously a different opinion. Um, and I, I heard a great one just a couple months ago about it. Um, first, first of all, with people getting, you know, student athletes getting tuition, let's just say they stay four years plus housing, plus clothes, travel. Um, you do get a little bit of money each month and a scholarship check. Um, you leave college debt free. I mean, there, there's hundreds of thousands of dollars pumped into every single student athlete in a way. Um, so 
if you talk to any student that leaves with tens of thousands, if not close to a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, um, you know, they, they've got a different opinion now with the likeness. How are you going to judge that? I mean, I, it, it may set a bad precedent now, guys trying to just create a social media, um, you know, profile and get as many likes and doing weird shit on, Instagram and starting to take the focus away from the basketball and the game and the development. And now they're just going to try and get as many likes as they can or do something crazy that gets spotlight on them. You know, no presses or bad presses is still good press kind of thing. Um, so I, I don't know how it's going to work if, if they are going to really want to pay somebody. I think staying, you should get paid. After graduating all four years, holding a certain GPA, and then maybe you get rewarded for 60 grand, you know, 15K a year for every year that you stay, but you've got to stay four years. You've got to graduate with a certain GPA because if guys are leaving anyways, they're leaving for money and they're leaving to go to the NBA or Europe. So um, I don't know how they're going to do that. You know, a walk-on puts in as much work as a, a star athlete, to be honest with you, and actually a little bit more because they run the scout team. So um, it, it's it's going to be interesting how it goes. I don't think it's going to be perfect by any means. I just hope guys aren't trying to create a social media um, profile and feeling um, just to be able to earn a couple extra bucks and that's going to take away from the really true value of the game. Yeah. I think you really have a, your head wrapped around it probably in a different way now, because I know your current stuff, you're really doing a lot with finance. So I'm sure you see it from a different perspective than you did, you know, when you were 18 to 22 years old. And I think you were hitting the nail on the head too, because at least most people now from my point of view are starting to accept that this system is not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. There's no right answer. There's no doubt about it that the Kentuckys, the Michigan States, the Alabama footballs of the world are probably going to benefit more than others. But I think um, there's something to be said that that's true now. But I'm at least um, optimistic that they're accepting the fact that this isn't perfect. We know the NCAA doesn't have the best track record for um, implementing process and adapting to change and things like that. But I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, what about now though, Paul? So like, I know that, um, I've known you for, you know, several years and that I've seen you around the program. Like what's your relationship with Tom Izzo now? Like how much time do you kind of spend around the program? Yeah. You know, I think it's very unique, um, at Michigan state where, uh, at least twice a year we have, um, a reunion where we get probably 70 guys back all the way dating back to magic's team. Oh, wow. Um, and we'll do one for a football game. We'll do one for a basketball game. We'll get the families and managers back. Um, usually end up doing something at our new Hall of History at the Breslin or coach has everybody at his house. So um, that is very unique. You know, not a lot of uh, colleges have that or programs. Um, and it's just because, you know, we do get a lot of guys that graduate and they stay around the Midwest. So. Um, that's been very special. I live only about an hour and 10 minutes from Lansing. So I'm up there at least once or twice a month for a game, at least once or twice a month for a practice and, and coach, um, you know, to be honest, really demands that once guys leave that they do have some type of impact back with the current team and the program, because 
Um, when we were there, got you know, Mateen, uh, Morris Peterson, and like I said, dating back to Magic, at least once a year, he always comes back. So um, that's one of the reasons why MSU is successful over the longevity of the last 25 years is past players really come back and have an impact on these guys. And um, it, that's that's pretty pretty special. So let's jump into this game a little bit. So I'm not sure how much you've – I would say it's the first game of the year. Um, I just did a little bit of radio a minute ago at the Big Blue Insider, and I'm kind of firmly on the stance now that as long as this event, which is one of my favorite events in all of sports, the Champions Classic, I try to go every year. Um, as long as it's played on the first game, I think that any team – Kansas, Duke, Kentucky, or Michigan State could win by 20 points and they could lose by 20 points. Nothing's going to surprise me. I know Michigan State's battling a ton of injuries. I mean, everybody kind of knows about Joshua Langford um, being out indefinitely, but I was doing a little research today when they actually have um, three players, are including or not including Josh Langford, so four players total that are dealing with injuries. They have um, sophomore forward, I think it's Thomas uh, Keithier, if that's how you said. He broke his nose. Um, senior wing Kyle Athens has a high ankle sprain and then something that someone I've heard really um, high praise about freshman guard Rocket Watts has a left Achilles strain so what are your thoughts Paul Kentucky obviously super young again they'll meet um, Michigan State um, on Tuesday in Madison Square Garden yeah I think what it's going to be is uh, you know with with the three guys you, you mentioned obviously Kith here with a broken nose uh, you know, back in my day, that's really a non-issue. You just <laughs> kind of mask it up, tape it up, and go at it. Um, Kyle is is going into a senior year. He's had a, a lot of trouble with that ankle. It just some really bad luck over the last couple of years. So uh, I don't know how lingering that is. And then obviously Rocket with a lot of press coming into it um you know they the season's not going to be won or lost in the first game so i know that they want to uh really be careful but we're returning you know guys that won two championships and went to a final four so uh, i think the the way that if you know kentucky's going to win they're just going to come out with athleticism and energy and really open the game by 15 or 20 points but if they can't do that if the game does remain close going into the last five minutes then I give the edge to MSU yeah I don't know how much if you've seen this or not Paul but so Kentucky's really um we're limited in the front court we, we seemingly are going to have one of the better backcourts in the country with Ashton Hagens coming back for his sophomore year Tyrese Maxey um superstar McDonald's All-American freshman and then um Emmanuel quickly returning for his sophomore year as well. But we actually lost our big man potentially um, in our first exhibition game. Nick Richards, one of our only front court players, he was um, probably going to start um, high ankle sprain or ankle sprain. I don't know if it's a high ankle sprain. Um, it's under it's undetermined if he'll play or not. I'm leaning towards he probably won't just because, like you said, this game is other, if, other than for fans, it's pretty meaningless. It's kind of just to get a gauge on your team, even though I'm sure they'd like to win. So I don't really expect him to play, but. After looking at Michigan State's um, slew of injuries, I mean, it's hard for us to complain at all. But I got to ask you something, too, Paul. So I know when I was in high school, we specifically did this drill called the Michigan State rebounding drill. And it was with like an oversized ball that didn't fit in the rim. There was no fouls. And it was like first team to 10 rebounds won. So going back to the kids' broken nose and stuff, um, a few of my Twitter followers wanted to know just how brutal were the practices at Michigan State? 
I mean, they, they were legendary. You know, we would have, um, you know, what was game day back then, uh, you know, when Jay Billis would come in to, to do the game and he'd come to practice before and he would say there, there's no team in the country that practices as hard as, as MSU. And, you know, things have changed just with culture in general and, and with the rules. Um, but back in, back in our day in, in 2002, to 2006 i mean we went hard and and what you're talking about is called the war drill and you have a assistant coach shoot up a ball and intentionally miss it and it has nothing to do with getting the ball and scoring but it is just hitting somebody you know defense is on the inside offense is trying to get in and um, you just you hit and you you got to let the ball bounce once before getting it as a defense and so if the offense doesn't get it, they got to run sprints. If the defense doesn't get it, then they're running. So, um, it, it was, uh, it was pretty brutal. I mean, everybody had some ice bags on them <laughs> after the, after the practice. Um, and sometimes coach would let it go for 10 or 15 minutes just because. So, um, it, it really almost had nothing to do with, uh, skill or technique, but it was all a mindset. And so if we would practice harder than uh, we would ever could, you you could ever play in a game that just made going against another team, um, you know, that much easier in a sense as far as the intensity, because nobody was going to go against us harder than we went against each other in practice. Great point. And I think that's what concerns me a little bit from a Kentucky perspective for this game is that. Um, Cal talks about it every year with these young guys. I don't, I just don't think that they have embraced or they understand just the physicality of college basketball, much less playing against a, a system team like Michigan State that thrives on it and plans to make it, you know, a focal point of their, their whole identity. And Kentucky was actually out rebounded in their first exhibition game by NAIA team, even though they, they dominated for the most part. So it'll be something to watch, man. But, um, I know you probably need to get out of here and get some stuff done. Just real quick, man, would you like to let um the Cats by 90 podcast listeners just kind of quickly know what you're up to these days? Yes. So like you said, after uh, after a career of sports, I mean, you really you build a network. And I've seen I've seen things throughout you know my NBA career and college career. So, you know, I'm still I'm into the financial industry. Uh, managing director of Podium Financial Group. We do risk management for athletes, entertainers, C-suite executives, and business owners. Um, and we also keep it as a platform for athletes that are in business to be able to talk to college guys and NFL PA and NBA PA about, um, you know, what life is like after sport and that transition and just being able to have resources for you know athletes and really entrepreneurs because you never know uh if and when your career is going to be cut short so you have to do that planning so that you can take your time and get into something that you truly love and have a second passion for as opposed to needing to jump into a job just because you haven't done the right planning with your finances great stuff man yeah i know that especially nowadays with what we hit on with the ncaa rule changes and just um, potentially li- eliminating the, you know, need to go to college for a year. So lots and lots of, um, necessity for that. And man, I can't thank you enough for jumping on. And I know that, um, 
my my in-laws and my my whole side of that family just thinks the world of you and i feel blessed that i that i know the dwyers is is giving me a chance to meet people like you and i'm sure that our paths will cross soon enough probably at a lions game or some some other um crazy stuff like that yeah absolutely no i've I've known those guys for uh, and sean's family for 20 plus years so they're definitely good people and i think next week's game is going to be another good one that we can add to uh you know the history books of kentucky and and michigan state and besides that game um in the elite eight my my other favorite memory against kentucky was when we played them at ford field here in 2000 oh that's right four i believe so that was is, a world record setting yeah game back then. i didn't realize that so is, do you know is that still the record for most attended game do you know no, I think um, I think they they did it. They re they set the new world record at Cowboys Stadium for yeah, okay. uh, an NCAA game or something. But at the time, that was the world record of I think it was about eighty thousand people they fit in there. Damn, I totally forgot about that. I was trying to kind of look through and see. So, all right, man, we're, we're definitely gonna have to get you back on the podcast because that's another awesome game. Wow, dude, I don't think there's anybody better to talk to as far as memorable games against Kentucky, but. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Cats by 90 podcast. We're really growing our listenership and we appreciate everybody as always. And um, we will get Paul Davis back on hopefully in the next few weeks to talk about that game and also recap the champions classic. So appreciate everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow cats by 90 on Twitter at cats by 90. You can also follow Aaron and drew at a Gershon 99 and at Big Blue Drew 33. And remember, no matter the opponent, it's always Cats by 90.